we left off. You know, we were in Ephesians. We started in, 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 in Galatians, uh, in Genesis, and then we went to Ephesians. And, and we, we went to Genesis because Genesis really gives us a foundation for God's uh, blueprint for marriage. But we need some explanations of that because the, the uh, Genesis gives us a, a broad stroke, but we don't have the, the, the real details. So we're going to have to go into the epistles to find out a little bit more about what really did Jesus mean when he said what he said. What did God mean? So in Ephesians 5.21, we said, be subject to one another in the field of Christ. We, we gave you that scripture last week. And we said that subjection must be voluntary, voluntary, and it must be continuous. Done over and over again, repeated action. We said that no one uh, gets out of being submitted. Everyone is called to be in submission because we said that uh, we have uh, an example before us of that, that submission. Now, if you, if you look at that, uh, let's turn to uh, first, first Corinthians 12, 18. Start there this week. First Corinthians 12, verses 18 through 27. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. And again, the, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become more, much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer. If one member is honored, all members are honored and rejoice with it. Now we are Christ's body and individually members of it. And I want to read that because when we're talking about the pl God's plan for marriage, we have to make sure that we understand that marriage between two individuals, a, a man and a woman, and they are equal before God. They are not, uh, one is not more honorable than the other. One is not, just because he has a role of being head, is not any more uh, greater than the other, which is a female, which is called to be submissive, because we are equal in the Lord. Everyone must come before God the same way. Whether we are Jews or whether we are Gentiles, whether we are slaves, whether we are free, it doesn't matter, male or female, we all must come the same way to Jesus Christ, and that, that, that's the cross. No one is coming to Jesus and say that, well, you know, 
uh, I, was just, I was one of your chosen people there, so I'm a Jew, so I can get in regardless. No, everyone must come through Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus has to cleanse us all. And so God has done that. So therefore, the same thing with the husband and wife. God has called us to equality, male and female, but with different roles. So we kind of understand that we have a good blueprint of what God is asking of us. Now let's look in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. It says, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of the of itself in love. Everyone is needed. Everyone in this body is needed. No one can be uh, said, well, you know, I'm just a, you know, a person who likes to show mercy or just a person who likes to encourage people. I'm not uh, a great this, I can teach, you know, I can't do this, I can't do that. You are needed, no matter who you are. You are needed in the body of Christ. There's no need for a, a head if you don't have a body. Not one, you know. There's no need for a body without a head. There's no need for, you know, uh, a body if you don't have limbs. Every part of the body is needed. Are we still under the curse of Adam's fall? You remember we started there last week, and we said that some parts of that we need to believe God that because we're in Christ now, we don't have to fall into the same situation. In review, in Genesis 3.16, after, both, after Adam had sinned, Eve was deceived, which means both of them fell. God came to the man, and he said something to him. Then he said something to the woman, and then he said something to the serpent. And now, this is what he said to the woman in 3.16. He says, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in, your, in childbirth. In pain, you will bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. You remember when we read that last week? And we said that, really, it could mean two different things if you kind of look at basically just the context of which is in, which is in you really don't know. Because even though we're talking about the same Hebrew words for rule and the same Hebrew word uh, basically where it says desire, we said, well, you know, I don't know exactly what that means. So when we looked at verse uh, uh, 4, chapter 4, verse, verse 7, we said that could it mean that the woman's desire would be uh, for, the, for the husband's responsibility? Could it mean uh, that... Or, or does it really mean that her desire has been multiplied because evidently she didn't, she didn't desire to be obedient to her husband, so maybe God increased the desire. Which is it? So we had to go to the New Testament, and that's where we went, and that's where we ended last week. But I want to give you a testimony of uh, someone that 
uh, I, you know, sometimes you, you make a statement and, and you say, well, I don't know what we can do that now. The God's word said, you know, this is a curse, so it's a curse, so it's forever a curse. You can forget it, you know. So Rebecca Eightball told me afterwards, uh, oh, my goodness gracious, you know, I, I have a testimony about that. So I said, well, give it to the congregation, you know, this testimony. And uh, about uh, she had a child, Kezia. And uh, tell us about what, what happened there and what you were believing God for. When you believe in God, you know, that God multiply my pain so I'll be <laughs> ready for Scripture. I'll be, I'll be right in line with your Scripture, God, you know. Go down. Not at all, actually. Um, that is a verse that the Lord showed Asher and I early on. And he used to pray over my womb every night. And we started praying for a lack of suffering at first. And then we realized, why are we just praying for the minimum of suffering? Because I was planning to have a home birth. So I wasn't going to be having any epidurals or drugs or anything like that. You know, I'm a little bit crazy, but that's okay. Um, so we decided to start praying for no pain. And we knew that scripture, but we said we're not under the curse of sin anymore, just like pastors and saying. So we prayed over my womb every day until that baby was born. And she was two weeks late <laughs> every day that there would be no pain in the childbirth. And... When we told our family members, they thought, we're just a little bit, you know, well, there's going to be pain, of course. You know, your body's going through something it's not used to. And I had a very, um, let me say, tedious childbirth, I guess you could say. I had some complications. I wasn't able to have my home birth. But I had no pain. So the Lord more than answered that prayer request that we've been praying since we found out we were pregnant. There's no reason for you to say there's a curse on you when you've already been redeemed by the blood of the Lord. So, 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 so you mean you didn't have pain because you, you took it? We took didn't have effort, pain. Yeah. There was no epidural. Ended up going to the hospital. The first thing they said, do you want a C-section? I said, no, I'm going to have this baby naturally. <laughs> and the second thing I said, they said to me, oh, well, then let's bring an epidural in for you. I said, no, I'm going to have this baby naturally. And they just looked at me like I was crazy because I already been labor for 15 hours or something like that. So the Lord more than supplied. So women who want to have kids, women that are going to have kids, the Lord can answer that prayer. And we're proof, and we have a daughter to prove it. So don't be afraid to ask the Lord for what he's already told you to ask for. Thank you. Okay. Just want to give you a testimony, because thank, let's thank God for, for you know, what he did through Rebecca. You know, sometimes we think that, well, you know, I don't know whether I should ask God for that, you know. But you ask him for salvation. You ask him for healing. Why don't you ask him for other things, you know? Uh, because uh, anything is written in there, then I want to find out whether this thing is true. And you don't have anything to lose. You have everything to gain, you know, by asking him for things, you know. Uh, now, the other part of that scripture that about your desire, when we start looking at Ephesians, I think you have already grasped that man and wife are not, let's say, equal in responsibility. They don't have the same responsibility. I think you would say that before the fall, God did not intend for the woman and the man to be, uh, let's say, at odds with each other, where there's no head, there's no uh, submission, there's just two people and they can do what they want to how they want to do it. You cannot say that because Ephesians, when we read Ephesians it started telling us exactly what he meant. Now, I will submit to you 
that because God wants peace in a marriage, I will submit to you that it's a possibility because of Ephesians, the probability because of Ephesians, that the, when he said that the woman's desire is going to be increased, I could see it more readily if it was her desire was increased for the man's responsibility. And the man, he said it was going to rule over you. I can see that being that man want to have dominion over the woman. And so if you're going to have dominion over, over a woman, if you're going to, if, and if you're going to desire a man's position or responsibility, then automatically the curse to me is that there's going to be a lack of peace in the household. That's what it means. Because if, 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 if you desire my responsibility, then you're not going to be satisfied with your responsibility. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so therefore, and if God has told me that I'm supposed to lead you gently and not lord over you, but I want to have dominion over you, then, and lord over you, can you see that it's going to be a problem? You know? Because there's going to always be, you know, if I say, okay, we need to do this. Well, why do we have to do this? I don't think we need to do this. I think we should do this right here. And, and I said, well, you're going to do what I tell you to do. It's going to be friction all the time. You know, it's going to be friction in the marriage all the time. If the responsibilities are not clear and concise, and I believe that God is making it clear in Ephesians. So let's go over there. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 25. I believe that God has made it plain that he wants peace in a marriage. I believe he's made it plain that if you do what he asks you to do, there will be peace. Now, you might not get your way all the time, but who? Well, we do want our way, but we know we can't have our way because the cross tells us we need to be selfless rather than selfish. So therefore, I need to be continually giving up my way and trying to have God's way. And if you have two people in a marriage trying to give up their way and have God's way, you're going to have some peace in that marriage. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. And we said that it, subjection means to, uh, like hopostatios is a Greek word, it says to be under in an orderly fashion. Not really uh, you're inferior. It means that your responsibility is, is in subjection to the uh, the head's responsibility. For the husband is the head of the wife, and Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also let the wives be uh, to their own husbands. That's important. Now, has he made it plain? You know, for us. In everything. We explain what that means, what everything meant. You can look at, uh, get the audio tape, down, download it offline, or just listen to it off, online. Uh, you can you can get all the the uh, particulars that we said. Husbands love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for it. That is God's plan for peace in the marriage. It didn't say that. Well, before the curse, you know, man was not uh, head of the woman, and they were just equal before God. Well, evidently the apostles didn't know anything then. They didn't understand what God meant. And they were with them three, three years. They didn't know anything. 
They're just making up their own rules and regulations. Are they? No. They're, they're, they're telling us exactly and told the church there exactly what God meant by what he said, how to have peace in marriages. Therefore, when I gave basically the, the blueprint for marriage, I said that you have no rights. You know, I gave three principles. You have no rights outside of Christ. I said that. That, that means that you're not trying to get your way. You're not trying to have your right. I have a right to, to have, a, have a say. So, you know, we don't have rights outside this word of God. We really don't. And you must, you must love each other just like Christ loved you. Love others like Christ loved you. That was the second uh, principle. And then we said we want to seek peace and pursue it. Those are the three principles we gave out. If we go by these three principles, it's going to line up greatly with the word of God because the word of God is telling us these principles are correct. Let's go a little further. Let's talk about God's plan for the head. What is the word? We're talking about the head. What, what does that mean? Well, it says in Ephesians 5.23, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. What does it mean by head? What head means basically is, is, is you know, just a type and shadow of what, what, what God is saying. Literally, it's not the head, but figurative it is. He's the chief. He's the one whom others must subordinate themselves. So therefore, if the husband, the man, is the chief, the head, then that means that the wife must follow the husband. Are we okay with the scripture, saints? I hear 10. We should be okay with the scripture. I don't care what your experience says. Because, see, a lot of times what we do, we say, you know, well, I know what God is saying, but I really don't, I really don't believe that's what he meant because men are this way and men are that way, and we just can't let them treat us, treat us like a doormat. God gave his word, and he's telling us how to operate. His word is good. It is good. There's nothing wrong with God's word. If we want to go by our, our experiences, because there are many of you and us who have had experiences with our parents or with our grandparents or with our neighbors or with our relatives that tells you, oh my goodness gracious, there are going to be problems in marriages because the man, he's going to want to do this, he's going to want to do this. And you, you, you saw the video clip, he said, she said, you remember my show the first time, and, and some of the latest friends who were not godly, you know, gave her some uh, really uh, foolish advice, you know. And that causes problems because they didn't understand the word of God. They really didn't. Let's go a little bit further. 1 Corinthians 11, 3. The husband is the chief of the marriage. He's the chief. And men, if you don't want to be the chief, then, you know, don't get married. Because you can't Give up your responsibility just because you don't like it. You can't give up your responsibilities just because your personality says that, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more laid back, you know, and my, my wife is more outgoing, she's more, uh, aggressive than I am, so it's better that she make the decisions and, and we'll switch roles here. I don't think God minds because after all, you said that seek peace and pursue it. 
right? <laughs> There's only peace when we are obedient to the Word of God. Because He is the Prince of Peace. And he, if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, He's the Word of God, you can't be, uh, you know, one with the, uh, with the Prince of Peace if we're operating outside the Word of God. We might not have strife, but you surely won't have peace. You, and we'll find it out when we stand before him. Yeah. We can't do that. What do we do? You know, we'll talk about that next week. What do we do when we have situations that deviate a little bit from what God's word tells us when it's really starts being, being hard to do? What, how do we respond? We'll talk about that next week. Verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 11. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head. He's the chief of every man and that the man is the chief or the head of the woman. And God is the chief or head of Christ. That's what it's saying. And when it's speaking of man and woman, it's speaking of husband and wife. Because you know obviously that he doesn't mean that every man is the chief of every woman. You know that he doesn't mean that. Okay, it's husband-wife situation that the names are similar in Greek. John 14.10 Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abide in me does the works. That's how following works. That's how... uh, Someone who's submissive responds to the head. This is Christ responding to, to the Father. And he says that the words that I say, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abide in me. So he's a representation of the Father in what the Father told him to do. He represents and not substitutes in other words. And so, therefore, we can do the same thing in marriage. Wise, we're supposed to represent and not substitute for what our husbands are asking us to do. As women, that's what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to say, you know, I'm not saying what, speaking on my, my own, my husband said that this is what we say and this is what we do. So, and you can tell the children that. You can tell the children, hey, I'm not speaking on my own initiative. This is what your father said. So this is what you do. And that, that sells it. It sells it right there. It ends a period. end right there. That's how we're supposed to respond. So, but you have to bring your children up that way. Let's go a little further. Everything must be done unto the Lord. We said the submission ends where? Where does submission end, ladies? Talk to me. Where does submission end? In other words, do you submit, submit to that, that man in everything? In, in, anything he asks you to do, do you submit? Where does submission end? Sin. That's right. It ends in sin. If, he, is he, if he's asking you to sin against your Lord, your Savior, then you're not to obey your husband. You're to obey your Lord. Because he's moved with on under his head. He's not being submitted to his head. And your husband is not the savior. Your savior. 
It's not his blood that was shed for you. It's Christ's blood. We all, remember, we're all one now. Do you hear, hear what I'm saying? We're all the same. There's no superior, inferior thing in this human uh, relationships. It's just different responsibilities. And if we get that right, we understand what we're supposed to be. And, and see, husbands, we won't get all puffed up and thinking we are something when we're nothing. Because we are nothing compared to what, what uh, God, matter of fact, he already told us in the, in the scripture. None of us are anything apart from him. He's everything. Our life is here with Christ and God. The term head relates to the function of the husband as a spiritual leader of the family. The spiritual leader of the family. If you're here today and you are married, then and you are male, then you are the spiritual leader of that household by God's command. Not by mine, by God's command. That means if, if you're not leading your, your wife spiritually, if you're not leading your, your children spiritually, that means you're disobedient to the word of God. That means that you are in sin. And you need to repent and get it right. And I know that I'm working with men. I've been working with men uh, all the time. And, and I'm telling them that you need to know the word of God. You have no excuse to say you're busy, you've been working 60 hours a week. I don't care if you work a 1,000 hours a week. You know, God has said that you are the spiritual head of the household, and if you are too busy to be the spiritual head, you better change jobs. Because you're not going to you're not gonna uh, get into heaven because you had uh, a $100,000 a year paying job, because you did such a great job on your job, you're going to get there because you're obedient to the word of God, which include, you know, being a good steward, of course. But you're going to get there because of the spiritual things. God is a spirit. We are supposed to be spiritual beings because we are one spirit with him. So therefore, it's a spiritual thing that we're talking about today. And if you're like me, most men, we have, we have a problem with that. Because if you don't know the word of God, you surely can't teach it. You can't teach it. And your wife will know if you don't know the word of God. Because a lot of times, women, they know what the God says. So you're not going to say, well, just do what I tell you to do, woman. Don't, you, know, I know you can't do that. I'm telling you, it's not going to fly. It's not going to fly. I don't know, most women, they, they'll, tell, they'll tell their husbands that, uh, sweetheart, you, you know, you need to be, uh, teaching the children the word, you know, we need to have some, you know, uh, uh, family devotion. We need to do that. Do you hear what I'm saying, man? That's what, that's what they tell us, and that's what, you know, I had to be told the same thing uh, when I was younger in, in my relationship with the Lord. You know, I was, you know, I thought I was something because I was coaching, you know. And I, I didn't have time for to be teaching no children the word of God. You know, you teach them. You know, but I didn't understand that that's my responsibility. Yeah. It's my responsibility. She can help me; she's my helper, but it's not her responsibility to do everything, because 
God has made it such that children respond to fathers. Uh, somehow we have, uh, it's just an anointing on us to be a father. It's just anointing or to be the head of the household. And so, uh, women, you can speak to children, and most women now can speak to a child, and, and they'll they they do just what they want to do. But then that husband come in, sit down. And boy, I mean, they're just, just I'm telling you, I mean, even, 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 even I love their cats. Their cats, you know, uh, they, they can say something to them, you know, like, and, and get out of the dining room. You're not supposed to be in the dining room. Come on out. I said, wait a minute, get out! And then, pew, they're gone, man, they're gone, you know? <laughs> you know, it's just something that, that with a male voice is what, what happens. You don't have to, you don't have to, you know, be mean, you don't have to kick the cat, you don't have to do anything like that, you know, but it's just that, it's just that you gotta be firm, you know? And that's what you gotta be. And it's the same thing, you gotta love them, but you gotta, they gotta know that you love them, and you gotta spend time with them, uh, but you also have to, have to speak correction to them. I'm telling you, it's something about that. Now, sometimes, you know, uh, women have that response. They, 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 they can do that. And you say, well, what if, what if my husband don't? What if I? We'll talk about that next week. There should not be forced submission. You can't force anybody to submit. There should neither be passive or resistance in submission either. Submission should be Glad. I mean, it should be, it should be a jump to do it, eager to do, do it because you're doing it for the Lord. You're not doing it for the man. If you try to do it for the man, you would never want to do it. But if you're doing it for the Lord, then you can do it. And men, you don't, you don't want to try to force submission on somebody. You want to, you want, you want it to be, you want the woman to want to submit to you. That's what you want. And women will want to submit to you if you are submitting to your head. They'll want to submit to you if you're in the Word of God, if you know the Word of God, you're praying, you know. They'll want to submit to you because they know that you are before God. They'll know that. Let's look at Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who should give account let them do it with joy, not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Husbands, wives, parents, employees, employers, supervisors, etc. Well, a lot of times what we have, we have authority people in society. What we want to do is we want those under us to joyfully submit to us but we don't want to joyfully submit to those who we're under. We want our children to submit to us joyfully and not slam doors and, and you know, talk back and all those type of things, you know, and, and, and we have to drag it out of them and, and things like that. We don't want that. But then we'll turn right around and people have to drag it out of you. Because submission, I told you, is is is, is spiritual thing. It's in the kingdom of heaven. And we all have to do that. And so husbands, if you want your wife to submit to you, then ask yourself, am I submitting to all those authorities that I'm supposed to be under? Number one, Christ, the word of God. Am I submitting to the, to the word of God? 
Am I submitting to my employer with a good attitude? Am I submitting to my supervisor with a good attitude? Am I submitting to my spiritual leaders with a good attitude? A lot of times what we want is that, well, you know, uh, I don't want to be submitted to anybody, so I, I own my own business, you know. Uh, and I do what I want to when I please, you know. And then we want our children, our wives, to do what we ask them to do and not what they please. It doesn't work that way. It really doesn't. We have to want to be under authority. We need to be in a submissive situation. That's why it's so great to be in a, in a church situation because you put yourself in a, on a spiritual, under spiritual leadership and if you're under spiritual leadership, it gives you the opportunity to quiet the devil's uh, accusations of us. A lot of times we'll, we'll be submitted on our jobs because we get paid. But I guarantee if you're volunteering, if he said, you know what, times are hard, and uh, we're going to we're gonna have to uh, not pay anybody for, for this year, but I want you to do the same work. You know, it's not going to fly, would it? None of us will go to work without getting paid. Is that correct? You try to find a job doing something, you know. So, but when you're getting paid, you do what other man says to do. As long as it's, you know, reasonable, you do it. But when it's, when it's voluntary, like in the church, then we do what we want to do. We have to be led. That's a spiritual term. I have to pray and, and see what God leads me to do, you know. Well, you don't have to pray. Just be obedient to what the word says, y'all. You, 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 it doesn't take a it doesn't take a a, a real um, spiritual person, a person who's got a PhD in in theology. If, if if the word of God says that, hey, husbands, you're supposed to obey the Lord, submit to Him, learn the word of God, love your wives. And wives, submit to your husband. Follow them. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to, 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 to obey that. But a lot of times we do. We want to do that. If you ask to do something by one of the elders, you know, if you ask to do something, you know, so, uh, a person told me, so why, don't, why don't you email people and, and, and uh, uh, then we can, we, can, uh, we can get this thing done faster, you know. Sometimes you email people they act like they don't even get it because they don't answer. You, you hear what I'm saying? They don't answer your email. Because I email people, I said, look, uh, let me know whether you can help Alex. I got two back out of all the ones I, I email. Yeah. Now suppose you told your children that, hey, I want you to uh, uh, do this right here, and they didn't even do it. What would you say? Oh, they're so submissive, you know. Well, they told you, so, uh, Mom, Dad, I, I needed to pray about this thing. See how I'm led to do it, you know? You don't have to pray about nothing. Just do it. I mean, it's not sin. <laughs> you know, it's not sin. See, we, we are not submitted like we think we are. I'm talking to the men and we're talking to the women. We're not submitted like we're supposed to be. And so, therefore, but we think we're spiritual. No. A lot of times we are more carnal than we think we are. And I'm trying to tell us now how to stay out of, 
out how to keep the devil out of having a foothold in your marriage and in your in your family. That's what I'm trying to do. He will get a foothold in your family if you are out of order in the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm, I guarantee you, guarantee you, because he knows what the scripture says. So what his job is to do is to seek in you, get yourself out from under God's protection so he can have, have his way with you. That's what he tries to do. Have God say it? Oh, God didn't mean that. Matter of fact, you don't, you don't want to submit to him anyway because, you know, look, you know, look at him. You know, he don't do anything. And he'll tell the man, you don't, you don't want to love her. You know, you can't love her like Christ loves her. Look, she don't even submit to you. She don't even respect you, you know. He just talks to you. Then he's trying to get you, yeah, 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 you're right, you know, to agree with him. And then now he has place. Isn't that what happened in the garden? I'm trying to teach you how to keep the devil out of relationships now. And, and, and it works on submission and that's why one of our, uh, our goals was to cooperate more with God and with those who spiritually lead you for 2009. Because I know if you don't do it, then you're giving the enemy place and you think that you're going you're gonna to have submission in your household. You think your children are going to be obedient to you. Uh, you, think it, you think that children are supposed to be uh, disobedient. You think so, children are supposed to be rebellious. No, they're not. They're not. They're not. Jesus wasn't rebellious. He was a child. So why do we think that our children have to be? Because they're just children. They're the terrible twos, you know. Stop saying that about your children, you know. They're teenagers, you know. You know how teenagers are. I know how the world's teenagers are. But crisis teenagers don't supposed to be that way. If, you, if you're born of God, you're supposed to be acting one way. Way the Bible says. Let's go a little further. The wiser uh, primary responsibility is summarized by voluntary submission to her own husband. Do you hear what I said own husband? That's important. Because there's many people who have fallen because they are submitted to somebody else's husband. Yeah, that's not good. Husband's special duty is summarized. In the word, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. And love your own wives. That's important. Many problems have come up with you loving somebody else, you know. Love your own wives. I mean, let's say we don't have, we don't have 50% divorces in the church just, for, uh, just because uh, we just have it. There's some disobedience to the word of God. The wise model of submission is the church to Christ. So if you ever want to know, how does submission work? Just like the church is to Christ. How submissive is the church supposed to be to Christ? Whatever Christ tells them to do, whatever the word says to do, you do it. Because there is no sin in the word of God. And so you can do the same thing to your husband up to the point of sin. The husband model is Christ's love for the church. That's how it works. 
He didn't leave anything unturned. He didn't leave anything unturned. This is God's model for marriages. We want to have a little skit to introduce next week's message. And we'll come back and close it out. Does anything seem familiar? No, I know it doesn't. You're all so lovey-dovey, you know, it's all, mm, yeah, sweetie boo, you're so good, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> Next week, we want to talk about what do we do when things are just not working, you know, because uh, we have such a, um, a great outline of the biblical pattern for marriage But we know that in reality, we don't have two people all the time that's so in love with God, so obedient to God, that they don't have any friction in their marriage. It would be so great if the Church of Jesus Christ universally didn't have any problems in their marriage. And our marriage will be a pattern for the world to see and say, I want that to be in my marriage. It's not like that because, number one, when you get saved, you're coming into marriage just like you just got saved. So sanctification is a process, which we've shared with you before. So we go from grace to grace in that area. And so we have to learn some things. So we're not, we're not saying that we need to come into Christianity already Complete. We're not going to do that. But there are some rules and regulations that we can follow. There are some things that we can avoid that will make that process so sweet and tender and nice when we are in the church and both people are living for the Lord. We're going to talk about that next week. And I want you to, you know, invite people and we're leading up to our, uh, video uh, movie night that we'll be showing uh, Good Friday of what Believers Fellowship. We're going to be over there with a popcorn night. You can invite people because I believe that a lot of people have, have difficulties in relationships. And even if they are not right now, they, 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 they will be because that's just the way it is if people are not really pressing towards uh, God in his presence, then what happens is that we falter a little bit. You should be working in, in your book on your uh, love there. You should be doing that because it has uh, things that help you, which we went over. So make sure you purchase one uh, because, uh, Barry, do you have any more of these? Yeah, one left. One left. Well, he has one left if you need one. See him. If you don't, then you can buy them from probably Walmart or Sam's Club or the bookstore, Christian bookstore, somewhere like that, or Barnes and Nobles, or you can order them online through Amazon.com. Uh, you can do that. Uh, but you get your book and and be able to pass it on also because it's a it's a good it's a good tool to use to help us to refresh us. It's not that your your marriage will be bad. It's not that you know we're saying anything about that. We're just saying that everybody needs a refreshing. You know, let's stand.
Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the, the biblical blueprint for marriages, Lord. We thank you. We thank you, Father, that, that we have the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us, to teach us all things, to remind us of all things that you've said. We thank you, Father, that, that we are in you and that we can look forward to our marriage growing by leaps and bounds as we sit under the Word of God, as we go out and obey the Word of God, Father, it improves everything. Not only with our mates, but also in our households and our jobs, because, God, you are calling us to be a sweet fragrance of you. If there's anyone here today that you need prayer for anything, we have the prayer team up. And they will pray for you for comfort, for encouragement, for healing, uh, for anything that you'll need because we realize that sometimes we come in to a place and we are hurting. We want to pray with you.